Welcome back to the next episode of Physique Science Radio. I'm your host along with my co-host, Sohi Lee. And today we've got a very special guest for you guys. We have Dr. Mark Hobb, a professor at uh, Kansas State University. Dr. Hobb, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. I, I enjoy following you via social media. Oh, thank you. You you are the one person then that enjoys following. No, <laughs> I think everybody else just follows me just to get in get in fights with me. No, so, I, so well, I enjoy that. I enjoy watching that fight too. So, <laughs> so, so pardon my uh, voyeurism. Oh, that that's all right. That's all right. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, better for him to argue with idiots than me. <laughs> yeah, you, you said the physique to fight him off. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so. For our listeners who aren't real familiar with you, can you give us a – how did you – so you're a professor um, of exercise phys, am I correct, at uh, Kansas uh, actually, State? Well, energy balance is probably where I'd throw myself now. Okay, cool. Uh, but your PhD is in exercise phys, correct? Correct. Okay. So um, if you wouldn't mind giving our listeners a background, like how did you get into exercise and nutrition and, uh, and then – Give us a view of like what got you into academics and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So I, I ran high school uh, track and cross country, and kind of what I mean it's it's really a looking it's a, from a hindsight twenty twenty perspective. It's really amazing because you know people talk about it. And I think in your field it, it comes up over the concept of overtraining comes up and people question it or have issues about it. But uh, I think I, I I think I'm one of the few who re- really experienced it from the standpoint of of being uh overtrained and undernourished mm-hmm. and just never taking rest days i was you know obviously mm. person you, you have that uh invulnerability and you could do anything so i never really took rest days and so one day i just uh had chronic diarrhea for about 24 hours and c- couldn't really run well wow. after for about six months but at the time i had no idea what was going on a high school kid and um not really well-versed in physiology or even exercise physiology for that perspective and so for that matter so um, at that point I kind of you know I rested and got back on in, into things and, and ran in college so I ran D2 cross-country and track at Fort Hayes State and majored in psychology after I think what I st- I don't remember what I started out in uh, I think I started out in, in finance and then went to <laughs> physics and then went wow. to psychology so you bounced around uh, a lot all, yeah all in the span of like Four months. I think I switched majors three times. But well, my uncle always said uh, going to college is about more about figuring out what you don't want to do than figuring out what you want to do. <laughs> Absolutely, sure that's true. And so, and being we had a, a senior on our cross country team who had an interest in sports psychology, and so um, he would do some stuff, some visualization stuff with us as a team, and so that kind of got me peaked in sports psychology as a field. And so that's kind of how I got into the sport part of it as as an athlete and through psychology. And then I uh, had, as people do when they go into graduate school, it's like, okay, especially psychology, what are you going to do with an undergraduate degree in psychology? <laughs> so it was like, well, so, so reality hit. And so, well, go, go to grad school in, in sports psychology. And so that's, so that's how I got into grad school. So very, very cool. Within two, yeah. So within two months after that, uh, I needed to, I had to get, had to pay my way. And so uh, I was eligible for work study which is a, it's basically subsidized labor for the university. Um, I was in an ex-phys lab uh, with Jeff Pottinger, um, who was at the University of Kansas where I was. And so I, not really having a background in physiology, but I had an interest in, in what he was doing. And um, so that's where I got hooked, uh, was being in an ex-phys lab doing research 
my first semester in graduate school as a sports psychologist. Um, and so uh, once I got kind of into that realm and, and doing ex-phys type stuff, you know, I really n never looked back. And um, I, so I still have an interest. Obviously now, when I was there, some of your, your listeners may know the name John Jakizik. Um, uh, he's an energy balance guy, I mm -hmm. think, at, at Brown, or he was at Brown. Uh, he came to KU for one year and then, then went back, I think. Um, but he's a, he's a behaviorist, you know, and I happened to be there during his interview and he said, you know, don't ever give up your psychology perspective. Yep. He said, you know, I think that will serve you well down the road. And at the time I thought, what are you, this guy's not. So Geology <laughs> is where it's at. Yep. You know, and which, you know, we kind of get clustered in our, in our scope of things. And so anyway, so I did ex-fit stuff. Um, I did glutamine, amino acid work for my master's. Um, and then for my PhD, uh, was co-sponsored or partially sponsored by Gatorade. So it was looking at uh, glycogen replenishment during short recovery periods. You know, how, basically, how quick can we replenish glycogen? Um, hmm. Mainly, cause it's a track guy, and so there's a lot of repeated work that's done in track and field. And so, what happens if you do if you run a mile and you have to run? a two mile later or do some other strenuous activity later, what does drinking carbohydrate really help? Um, at least from a glycogen perspective. Um, that was my dissertation. Then I was, I was fortunate to get with uh, Wayne Campbell, who's now at Purdue. He's also on the, yep. the, very timely, he's on the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Council for 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and so his works with geriatric nutrition, and, and I think and you may have run across his name. Oh, absolutely. In some of your protein work. Yep. Um, and so I went down there and, and uh, did a study for him that was funded by the National Academies Beef Association, looking at uh, vegetarian lacto-ovo diets uh, versus a meat-containing diet, basically lacto-ovo with meat, on strength training in older men. Mm. Um, so that's how I got it. That's how I got into nutrition. Um, before that, it was more supplement, ex-phys supplement work. So it's still right. kind of diet, but. Uh, more on the supplementation side, but working with Wayne, uh, he brought me to the dark side or the bright side, which is the <laughs> side of the fence you sit on. Um, and so I did, I brought in, I did the exercise training with the older adults, but he taught me a lot more about nutrition, especially protein and macronutrient metabolism while I was there. Also, I was there, and I, and I did some background on you a little bit, um, because a guy down the hall for me, Dr. Brian Linshield, mm -hmm. uh, at Illinois, I worked with yep. you, and I, I went back and I looked at your uh, your dissertation, and um, I was also able to work with uh, uh, Jim Flucky, who's now at Texas A and M. And Jim Flucky, you may not know him, but he's he's a he worked with Linus Dome at ECU in carbohydrate metabolism, mm -hmm. and, and he taught me a lot about cellular metabolism. Um, you know, Basically, looking at pro from a protein synthesis perspective. So Wayne's Wayne is more of an in vivo whole body metabolism. Right. He does a lot of nitrogen balance, correct? This, but protein is from a functional perspective. But Jim Plucky kind of got me into the the uh, cell signaling mTOR type stuff that I think you worked on for yep. some of your with Don Lehman at Don Lehman's Lehman's group at Illinois. So. Um, so I was able to do you know water cooler talk with him. It was fantastic. So that's. So that's how I got, that's the roots of my, my kind of academic foundation. And then I came to K-State and um, tried to find my niche there. And, and I'm not sure how many of your listeners are in graduate school, but, you know, that's 
we all have to find our way. And so I had to find my way. And being in Kansas, you know, we're a wheat and meat state. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that kind of guided where I went after that, after getting here. And so, and I, I've since gone more the wheat perspective, fiber, dietary fiber, carbohydrate metabolism. So my dissertation was carbohydrate metabolism. So I've come at it from a different perspective, come at it from a, more of a whole grain dietary fiber route now. Um, and my first kind of big step in this area, I was fortunate enough to have a, a master's student, Chad Cook, who's now doing clinical research uh, for a CRO um, in the Chicago area, did a study looking at low-carb and wheat-containing diets on muscle or uh, exercise performance, or excuse me, exercise metabolism, um, not performance. So we just wanted to look to see what carbohydrate metabolism did if you were just working out. So not looking at a 5K mm-hmm. or a 10K or, you know, uh, one rep max types of things. But just, you know, if you were to just for, for two weeks go low carb or, or not, what happens to RPE during a, a workout? What happens to VO2 during a workout? Just a regular workout? Those types of things. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that was kind of my first big project there. Um, what did you find? Uh, yeah. So RPE tends to be higher. Um, and we're still trying to get, some, amazingly, still trying to get some of that work out. He, it's one of those things when students leave, things tend to die. <laughs> I know <Still> that feeling. <laughs> some of the work still could be done. Um, it is a two-week study, so obviously there's the, the, the opponents would say, you know, it takes four weeks to get, to get it fully adapted to low carb. Yeah. But at least it provides some, some insight into what happens during that, that two to four weeks while you adapt. Because yep. people, they struggled, um, and uh, you know, we had some professional, pseudo professional athletes as well as as non athletes go through it, and and the cyclists that we had, oh my, they hated it. Yeah, they well, they just struggled. And there was one guy he he didn't know if he was going to be able to make it home on a bike ride. <laughs> well, um, one of the things I, I tell people with a ketogenic diet or a, or a low carb diet is that if you were going to go through the the process of becoming keto adapted, and there's decent data to suggest that if you're keto adapted that you're probably fine you're probably going to perform fine function fine but you have to stay like that because yeah. if you eat carbs again you're going to go out of that you're going to lose that adaptation and mm, it's going to take right. you that time to get back into it and now you're going to be fluctuating in and out and it's not going to be a fun experience which which is funny because this is exactly how a lot of people diet for physique competitions they eat very very low carb uh, yeah. for a week or two and then they have huge blowout meals and they wonder why <laughs> yeah. they feel like crap constantly <laughs> yeah well we had we actually had a bodybuilder in our lab at the time and that's kind of where some of the some of the ideas that that uh, kind of have come from Brian Snyder, he's not at Truman State, and, and so he kind of shared with me, and he had pictures of when he was doing competitions and stuff, and he showed me, you know, the, the post-competition diet, I guess, is it a diet? <laughs> uh, it's a rebound. <laughs> um, was interesting, so, and that was kind of part of the, that kind of leads into the, the, the Twinkie diet, so, I mean, he would, he would just show, I think Ho-Ho's or Twinkie, or not Twinkie's, or Ding Dongs or something was one of his favorites. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Post-competition. Uh, before we Actually, we're going to take a quick break before we get into that because I'm sure we're going to have a, a huge discussion about that. But that's very interesting that that was kind of the impetus for that. But um, So let's let's actually take our quick break real quick. And then when we, uh, we come back, we'll talk about the quote-unquote Twinkie diet. And uh, I think you guys are going to be uh, 
Uh, some of you may have heard this already because I believe it was on CNN, but uh, some of you guys are, are going to have your minds blown. So we'll take a break. You're listening to Physique Science Radio. We'll be back. Hey guys, Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. MyOatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right. 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds. And you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend. And they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want. And the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made. Or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey guys, many of you out there know I spend a lot of time bagging on bad coaches. And certainly, there's more than enough of those to go around. But a lot of times people ask me who I do recommend. Well, one person we can recommend wholeheartedly is Paul Ravella of Pro Physique. Paul has received more referrals from me over the last two years than any other coach, and with good reason. Paul is competent, professional, caring, and carries himself with a lot of integrity. If you hire Paul, you're going to be getting the very best at a great value. Paul is also one of my closest personal friends, and I can say with absolute certainty, I feel 100% comfortable with referring my closest friends and family to him, because I've done that. Paul Ravella of ProPhysique.com. Check him out, guys. Hey guys, you know me and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber and these are packed with 20 grams of high quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at questnutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram at questnutrition and youtube.com slash questnutrition 
for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. Hey guys, welcome back. We had just started right before the commercial break talking about the Twinkie diet, the infamous Twinkie diet from just a few years back um, that Dr. Mark Hobb conducted on himself. I, I remember hearing about it. I think I was still in college at the time, actually, and I was thinking, man, this is crazy. Who would do that? But I guess, you know, now we, here he is, Dr. Hobb. He did it himself. Um, Dr. Hobb, can you tell us a little bit more about what what gave you the idea and and what what exactly did that diet entail? Sure. Yeah. So it was a it was a culmination of things. Um, at the time, and I, and I had, I, you know, I was a runner and I uh, fairly active, and I, I I think everybody reaches this point probably at some point in their lives, and you know where phys- physical activity had declined a bit, and uh, my portion sizes hadn't. <laughs> and so I still ate like I was running a lot and being uh, fairly active. Yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those things. One one day I kind of looked in the mirror and, and it's like, well, you know what? I I have some I have some weight to lose. I so academic. Like I teach an energy balance course, and uh, I when I started teaching that the low carb uh, the Atkins diet was probably at either at its peak or just before its peak in the early to mid two thousands. And um, I also co-taught a class with another colleague, and, and one of the books that they used for that class was Big Fat Lies by Gwen Acer, um, who's a professor down at, I believe, Arizona or Arizona State. Um, I think it was at Virginia Tech when he wrote the book, or at least on the East Coast. Um, and so and that, that shaped my, my views. And so the, the Big Fat Lies book, um, you can cut Stephen Blair has you know fit or fat kind of that that kind of idea where it's not really what you weigh it's it's what you do and sure. um, so so that was evident at the time the dietary guidelines for 2010 were just coming out and so I, te- and I teach this energy balance class and so you know my tenant my my students don't like it really <laughs> uh, I think they do at the end of the class but they don't during the class sure. uh, you know I try to challenge them and I try to to provide a, a way for them to think about things without getting caught up in in what they're told. Uh, undergraduate education tends to be a spoon-fed mentality in which here's information, yep. memorize it, regurgitate it, and I'm going to test you on it. And I don't like that. And because, well, and it may change here soon, but you know we have diet future dietitians in the class, uh, future athletic trainers in the class. And upon graduation, they're going to have patients that have come to them and say, yes, what yeah. do you think about this diet? Mm-hmm. And if I found it was my responsibility to train them to help them answer that as a professional then to teach them thermodynamics, uh, uh, enthalpy, and all the basics of energy balance, you know, the, the basic fundamentals of biochemistry and, and those types of things, but to, to teach them kind of practical information and to challenge them in a way that that might better prepare them to be professionals when they graduated. So um, with that, so with the dietary guidelines coming out, one of the lines in the, the, the draft was uh, sugars salt, and solid, solid fats and sugars, or SOFAs, uh, are obesogenic. And so I basically <laughs> took, I took that tenant in the dietary guidelines, the draft. It's not, it, it didn't come out in the final copy. So I, I like to say that I was it was me that did it. <laughs> That's we'll, what it was. we'll go with that. <laughs> I'll go with that. I know, I, no, there's no proof that it wasn't, so I'll go with that. 
Um, and so I, I took that. And I said, so, so, and I used that in the class. So here's the dietary. So, you know, the dietitians are going to use the dietary guidelines to frame how they, they work with patients and those kind of things. So it's, you know, it's a very practical tool. And so I said, I'm going to take this piece, pull it out. I, I have theoretically weight to lose. I wasn't obese yet. I was close. And I said, okay, I'm going to take, that's going to be my menu, those things. And then, then as kind of the thoughts progressed, it was, well, whatever's not healthy, because I already start my class, what's healthy, what's a healthy diet? And so this kind of leads into that. So everything that's deemed not healthy, I'm eating. And so that, you know, frosted flakes and whole milk, I used whole milk instead of skim milk. Sure. Um, uh, those types of things. So really and you were just challenging that one statement made in the dietary guidelines. That's how it started. Okay. Um, as it evolved, it, you know, obviously spins into, because then I was also taking a dietary supplement. And so I was taking uh, either Centrum or, drumroll, Geritol. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, 40 years old taking Geritol. I was kind of a, uh, uh, and I can't remember, there's, uh, I think it was because of the biotin. Is either biotin or magnesium is high in, higher in Geritol than some of the other daily vitamins. Um and so then it gets into, well, is it okay to take, if you're, if you're eating these micronutrient, uh, these foods that, that don't contain very mi many micronutrients, is it okay to, if you get them from a, from a supplement? Um, so it's a, you know, a basic principle. And a lot of people say, no, no, no. But, and so, and I, I, I used, um, no, I no, 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 but they really couldn't give you a good reason as to why. No. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so if you, That's what we deal with. Strong, Dot com. They're there at that time. They were one of the few that had a, a way to enter your your food, and they also had common foods that you could pull. That if people added them, you could pull from that. So you know, it was a it was a self made and in some cases database for food. So I entered all my food there. If you take the nutrient intake from a day of eating, I was pretty much hitting one hundred percent of the RDA for most nutrients. Wow! Because because of the uh, the supplements for a large part. That's right. Um, and so when you look at that, and low sodium, you know, in most days was less than fourteen or fifteen hundred milligrams of sodium, which is that the current, current I guess current goal. Um, uh, and so when you look at all these things, so is, if you look at the nutrient profile, and you say is, is that a healthy intake of nutrients? You don't show. And so what I would do afterwards with students, and when I would go do talks on this stuff, I would show the nutrient profile for the day. Hmm. And say, is this healthy? Everybody says, yeah. Oh. You, you know, you may be low on vitamin K, but everything else, you know, low sodium, um, uh, relatively low sugar. But then I would the next picture, I'd show a plate of food. Is, is that healthy? Well, that's what I ate. You just said what I ate was healthy. Now you're saying what I ate was not healthy. <laughs> which which is it? And so that's you know just to get people to think. Oh, wow! I didn't think of it that mm -hmm. way. And so then it gets into is it food? It, you know, real food, clean food, clean eating, dirty eating. I may be developing a man crush right now. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> You're like, yes. What's that? I said I might be developing a man crush now with how you presented that. That was amazing because that's uh, – Yeah, people – you know, you get that gap because you know, I presented yeah. it to some physicians. And you get that, that breath in. And it's like, did I just say that that was healthy? Yeah. They get the realization of what they just did. It's yes, awesome. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, it, it creates a uh, – uh, it's that cognitive dissonance, you exactly. know, that, that, that they have this urge to say, no, it's not healthy. But then based on the data, you can't make any other, any other claim than that. So, but it's, it's pretty, cause it's unfortunately, like you said, they, they, people say, well, these foods are obesogenic. Well, 
there's no context there. There has right. to be context with yep. these things. Yep. And so, and for the, for the actual study, and I didn't mean for it to be public. This was just supposed to be a class exercise. I was going to, I was going to use myself as a lab experiment for my class. And my department head at the time got, I talked to him about it. And so then he told a student reporter and it's just weird how this, how this all plays out. So she did an interview like in week, it was the first week. Cause I think I started on a Wednesday. She did an interview like on a Wednesday or the, or the next Monday. And, um, so I, I didn't, if I would have known it was going to kind of go global, if you will, I would have done a little bit better diligence on the pre side and taking, doing some pre analysis, you know, because I really don't know what my intake was before that. I mean, that's, that's from a weakness perspective. I wish I had, um, done a, you know, a week pre before I started, but I didn't know I was going to have to, to defend myself <laughs> to the likes of, uh, Gary Taubes and those folks <laughs> later. But, uh, Good old Taub. Yeah. Um, and so I, I took cholesterol, we have a cholesterol, cholesterol analyzer. So, I mean, the, the assessments I made were fairly simple just so I wouldn't have to do some, anything too major. Um, so I had, uh, total cholesterol, LDL, HDL, glucose, triglycerides. I did a DEXA and then weight. I think, was a, I think that's all I really did, um, for assessments and, and then, and then entered every day. So there's 70 days worth of, of data entry. Somebody, I need to figure out where it went. I haven't looked for a while. There was somebody out there who went through every logged 70 days of my diet. I didn't even do that uh, to figure out what it is. So kudos to that person. I need to figure out who it is and send them out, like, I don't know, a box of Twinkies or something. Uh, <laughs> but so, so, that's, so that's all the, the data. And you know, I had colleagues um, at the university concerned about my physical health. They said, you shouldn't do it. This, you're going to hurt yourself. This is not good for your oh. heart. Um, all sorts of things. And, um, and then publicly, you know, dietitians and whoever, uh, physicians and a, a whole host. Of, you can, you can go online, you know, you Google my name and something will come up when somebody was, was upset with what I did or, <laughs> you know, discredited what I did from, from some perspective. But I, when people do that, I don't think they got the big picture of what I was really trying to do. Um, and so what, obviously weight started to drop. So my, my, uh, ceiling for caloric intake was 1,800 calories. So, I, so this is where some of the misconceptions come in. Some of the mm -hmm. misconceptions were, well, he ate 1,800 calories. No, that was my ceiling. I think oh. going back and looking at my average okay. intake, it was about 1,650. That's and so I would, much, I would not yeah. pass 1,800. Um, and so I th about, initially it was about 1,600. During the last month, I added in dinner with my family. So I have kids, two kids and a wife. Right. Um, and so at dinner pre, I would, I would eat, <laughs> I had like a can of green beans. I didn't want to eat junk food in front of them because then I didn't want them to say, well, well, mom, can I yeah. have a cookie? That's dad's eating. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to play that. This is not, you know, this is for an experiment. This is not what I do, would, would recommend doing for me on a daily basis in front of kids and all that stuff. So. So I'd have a vegetable or a, a can of vegetables, so either tomato or a can of green beans, can of corn, whatever we had in the in the in the cupboard, uh, while they ate whatever they ate. So as the last four weeks, it included a portion of dinner that that everybody ate. I just have, would have a portion that's appropriate to whatever caloric intake would would kind of finish out my day. Um, and I added about two hundred, and it was about two hundred more calories. Um, it's kind of what I tried to do. Um, that last 
four weeks uh, to kind of like what you said earlier about reintroducing calories slowly. At some point, you got to stop. You got to put the brakes on yeah. and add yeah. calories back in. Um, and so that's kind of what I was doing to kind of, kind of slow down the the weight loss. Um, uh, can I ask? Like, how did yeah. you how did you feel physically and mentally throughout yeah. the was it a ten week process? Yep. yep. How did you yep. feel? So yeah, it was originally just supposed to be four weeks. This was supposed to be a four week deal. You know, here let's just do a little four week weight loss, just yeah. little mini mini projects, see how things go. So then then I, I let my competitiveness uh, show, and somebody said so. So somewhere I think it was AOL.com or ABC.com. One of the it started to catch some traction from a, a, a media perspective, and then somebody said, "Well, four weeks isn't long enough." I said, oh, of course. What? As I said, "Oh, all right. Well, then, all right. I'll, of course, I'll it's not long enough." On and we'll just yeah. When it, when so, it conflicts with their bias, it's never good. Yeah, enough. exactly. So I said, "All right, all right. We'll we'll take it longer." And so so the the termination point for me was as soon as I get to normal weight, I'll stop. So I got to 24.8 on the BMI, done, uh, because I'm healthy then, right? You know, I got I'm, I'm not overweight anymore, so therefore I'm healthy. Um, so that was uh, what I used as my my stopping point. Uh, um, you also, so but, so, sorry. So what was your question again? How did, <laughs> you, how did you feel physically and mentally? Do you feel oh, okay? Yeah. Were you so that was one of the biggest hungry? questions was oh yeah. well or the biggest statements? He felt terrible. He was. Crabby all the time. He was a grouch, and it was actually totally the opposite. I, the first day was the worst day, so because it's basically going low carb in essence. Yeah. You, know, you go from a. I was, pro- I was probably. I don't know for sure. Probably eating about three hundred, two fifty to three hundred grams of carbohydrate, um, and I dropped down to probably about one hundred and fifty grams wow, to two hundred grams, yeah. and and or it's just a caloric, uh, just a, just the total shift in calories. But so the first day. It was groggy. It was like I was on a low carb, tra- mm-hmm. making that transition to a low carb diet. I've done that before. Um, you know, I was groggy. I couldn't think straight. Ate for for twenty four hours, and I thought, "Wow, if this doesn't go away, I, I'm going to stop because this is mm-hmm. I, I couldn't function." Um, and so I started on Wednesday. Thursday was terrible. Friday morning, woke up. It was, it was amazing. Um, could think more clearly. My wife to this day still wants me to go back on the diet i was wow. more functional yeah uh so my honeydew list would get done um, <laughs> and more energy than usual it was just it was it was totally opposite of what people tend to think when when eat, either eating that food or going on a weight loss diet uh, you know i did i wasn't great i wasn't starving uh people say i probably just hungry all the time and just ravenous and, and you know from my person i think you alluded to it a little bit earlier if I was that way, if I was so hungry, there's no way I could have gone 70 days. There's no way. Yeah. I would have stopped it at three weeks and said, uh, heck with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat again. I, I, I miss it. And so, um, so there was nothing. Was, it was uh, amazing as far as the, the mental clarity and the, the physical function. Um, now, what was, now the, what, was oh, the to- what was the total weight loss during that time period? 27 pounds. Okay, 27 pounds. And the other thing I wanted to, to, to ask you was, um, you mentioned blood work, right? Yep. Okay, yes. so one of the... One of the was about 200, I think it was about, so close, borderline hypercholesterolemic. Um, I don't remember exactly what the LDL, they're on my Facebook site. Uh, 
I think LDLs were about like 170 maybe, 160. HDLs around 40. So, I mean, I, when you look at the, just the lipid values, not, not real good. Not great. I mean, not really poor, but not, definitely not great. Um, right. And so that was one of the funniest things because then you say, you know, you, you do this stuff. You know, and this was a time, too, when trans fats, you gotta, can't have trans fats. They're yeah, going to oh, raise LDL that. and lower, lower HDL. Just the opposite. I ate foods that had those in them, and the, the opposite happens. How is that humanly possible? You know, maybe I'm just <laughs> just very unique. I'm the one in a billionth person well, who I can think, eat trans fat. Not have that happen. I, I think what we need to keep in mind is uh, context. And when yeah. you look at most research studies, you know the 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 when they look at trans fats, or they look at people who eat high amounts of trans fats. Um, for example, let's look, let's look at something like that. The people kind of, cause I'll, I'll say, Hey, look, you can have anything in moderation. That's not bad for you. And people say, well, Lee, what about trans fats? They, they gotta be bad in any amount. And I said, well, again, you have to understand when they look at trans fats and say that they're going to, they, they cause perturbations in blood lipids. People who eat trans fats are usually hypercaloric. Okay. Yep. People, they're eating these yeah, foods on top of already sufficient nutrition. Okay. And so Yes, then you get perturbations because you're ca you're in an excess of calories. But what happens when you eat them as part of a caloric deficit? Well, you saw they improve. Uh, and so I think that people people totally miss that point. And you know, I, I've made the point. I'm like, do you think that your body has a sensor that when you eat broccoli and chicken and brown rice that it says, oh, yep, those were clean? And right. if you eat the same amount of protein, carbon, fat, but you get it from uh, Twinkies and a protein shake and, and some peanut butter. It goes, oh nope, that wasn't good. We we can't have that. It, it, no. I mean, it, yes, there are minor differences in metabolism, but for the most part, you're getting very very similar. And one of the big criticisms, because we, Sohi and I are big uh, proponents of what we what has been called flexible dieting, which right. basically means track your macronutrient intake, eat the foods you like to hit that, and make sure you're sufficient in your micronutrients yep. and your fiber. Yep, that's that's where I'm at. And, uh, and, and yeah, and, and one of the criticisms we always go, well, well, maybe you lose weight, but that can't possibly be healthy. Well, I mean, like you, you put it, yeah. you look at the nutrient intake. Well, it is healthy. What? And show me the, show me the data that, that, that would indicate that it's not. Sure. That's exactly. And that's where they, well, but I saw a study. Well, well, no, what, what happened? And I had, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. I'm sure you guys have too, of, you know, somebody, you know, the, the anti-sugar, anti sugar anti high fructose corn syrup and they'll say okay so if That's i have a teaspoon of sugar what's going to happen what's going to happen to me well it's not the teaspoon it's when you have 40 teaspoons yes well then wait well you just said if i eat sugar this is that's right well that's yeah. not what i meant well then that so that's my you know from my perspective that's where i really try to get people to to, to hone down and well what do you really mean and you, and you mentioned the context because so often it, it gets blown out of proportion and i really think that there are too few people who really understand this aspect of nutrition. I'm, I'm not. A, I don't know everything about nutrition. This is probably the, my scope. Is this is this area, and I think too few people. They just they 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 may have a broad understanding of nutrition. They may understand you know all the deficiencies and toxicities. But when it comes down to macronutrient energy metabolism, I. I I don't think a lot of people understand uh, the, the key pieces of it because you know they see things either either as a as a closed loop or a closed system or an open system, and it's amazing how 
the body is, 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 it can flux based upon whether it's in, in a negative energy state or a positive energy state or balance. Things will, will react differently in those different states, and people just tend not to, it's just black and white. Sugar's bad or, or trans fats are bad. And, well, and, and I'm not saying they're good. I'm, I'm not trying to promote them. But right. um, the fact that you eat these, this will happen is not true. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you mentioned a background in psychology. And I think we really need to um, understand what this – when we tell people trans fats are bad or we tell people sugar is bad, what this does to people um, in terms of when they try to go to lose weight. Because here's what typically happens. Somebody goes, oh my god, sugar's sugar's toxic. Sugar's bad for me. So I'm never going to eat sugar again. Huh. Okay, they good think – and, and and good luck with that, right? <laughs> so that – we both know that's set up to fail, that that fails. And, and diets fail. Diets – when you look at five-year success rate of diets um, – it's like 95% failure. And if you look at two year, it's 80% failure. Mm -hmm. So diets fail in terms of they, they succeed in people losing weight, but people can never keep it off. They put it back on almost, like I said, 95% of the time. And why is that? Well, one of the reasons is the lack of sustainability in my opinion. And when you tell somebody, okay, well, sugar is bad. Okay. Well, I'm never going to eat sugar. Okay, well, then what happens psychologically, you view sugar as a bad thing when you put these you know, bad or good labels on foods. Yep. And somebody has some sugar and, okay, now they, they screw up or whatever and they're out with friends or it's a, a wedding or, or whatever because life's going to happen. Don't act like it's not because it yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and they have a little bit of sugar and they, they go, oh, my God. Well, I screwed it up, so whatever. So they stop even trying mm-hmm. because they figure they just can't even do it. So they go and they have – you know, instead of having one slice of cake, they have five slices of cake because they go into what uh, our friend Corey Probst calls the "what the hell" effect. Um, I like to call it effort mode. Yeah, yeah. But, yep. um, yeah. You know, and that happens, and and people people don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge that there's this psychological aspect to eating that b- honestly, by and f- kind of gets ignored. Um, yeah. In, in and things. misunderstood. Yeah, and I, I tell people, I'm like, look the best diet is probably the diet you can stick to okay because it, you can we can and i've had i've had um debates with people where we're going back and forth and they said well what about and they're like going all the way into micronutrient nutrition and timing of meals and how it makes it maybe make a difference in body comp i said oh, that that's great that's great I'm, I'm not trying to argue that maybe you don't have some valid point physiologically what i'm saying is if somebody can't stick to it it doesn't matter exactly it yep. does not matter no you, and you touched on a great point i think up to and i don't, I don't know if it's I'll, I'll say now which is a vague term nutrition has been a a physical science field and everything has been you know either from a from a physiology perspective or a biochemical perspective that's what determines the healthiness of the food and what you just touched on the whole issue of uh, being able to maintain a lifestyle to feeling you know social the sociology of eating to cultural aspects and the anthropology of eating sure. uh, food and nutrition is, is much more than the physical sciences and it's we're, we're I think we're I think the needle or the pendulum is shifting a little bit, but it has a ways to go. And and one thing that Sohi and I can attest to is we get clients who will come to us who have been eating quote unquote clean for years. Um, I say quote unquote because nobody can ever <laughs> give me an objective definition of what that actually means. Exactly. Yeah. So I've I've come to assume it just means they spray Windex on their food. Um, <laughs> but 
they've come from a background of okay, I only eat you know boiled chicken and tilapia and broccoli. And you oh, know what they yeah. say? Uh, you know, my hormone levels are out of whack. I feel terrible. You know, and again, it's not because those foods are bad. That's not exactly. it at all. It's because they're eating so few calories yep. that, and they've been cr- chronically dieting or you know yo-yo dieting that they've put their body out of whack. And then what I do, what we do is we get them eating. Hey, eat the food you enjoy. Just hit these numbers, okay? Just just get close to these numbers and be consistent. And you know what? If yep. you screw up, not a big not a big deal. Just try to get back on it, you know. Yep. And so all of a sudden, people get some consistency in their life, and the updates we start getting are, oh my god, I feel so much stronger. Right. I have more energy. I'm having more fun with my family because I go out and, you know, I've had people all the time. I had one gal who said, you, they said, thank you. You saved my marriage because this person had been through so many yo-yo diets that it was affecting their entire marriage, you know? And I think a lot of times, like I said, we don't think about that aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I really, um, Dr. Hobb, I, I totally agree with you that psychology, a better understanding of psychology as it relates to fitness, nutrition, fat loss, and general health is, um, I mean, we're seriously lacking. Um, and I think there's so many misconceptions out there. You know, people think when it comes to being healthy and eating healthy and, and being fit and being lean, everyone thinks it's, oh, it's a matter of having a lot of discipline. And if you're fit, then you must have more willpower right. than I do. It's not, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. Um, and if, even with, you know, clients who come to us, it's still, you know, as much as we talk about these things and, you know, clarify these misconceptions, we still have clients coming to us who don't fully understand. They think it's, oh, well, I, I didn't have enough self-control tonight. Well, right. that's not really the point. You know, the point is to not right. rely on self-control as much as possible. Well, and that's a big, and you guys deal a lot, a lot on the fitness side. And, right. You know, and, and I've, and I've, I've lived there. Uh, but now, you know, I, part of it's, I don't really want to be that fit anymore. I enjoy <laughs> my time with my family. I enjoy going, being a coach for my youth sports stuff. And I'm fine with that aspect of my life right now. So, so being able to have a, a VO2 max of 60 or 65, I'm not, I won't see that again. And I, you know, I'm fine with that. Um, right. And so it's, 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 I think targets too. I think we, everybody thinks opt what, you know, and then it comes back to, and maybe you guys talk about this too and some of yourself, what's optimal. You know, I have to have an optimal workout, an optimal diet, an optimal life. And I think people need to just put it in perspective of what they want. And so I think life, like you yeah. just said with diet, I think life has to reflect kind of the diet thing. What do you like to do? You know, skydiving is not really that healthy, but uh, hey, if somebody likes to do that, <laughs> right. you go ahead and jump out of a plane. I'll well, this is from the ground. Is, uh, I had a client who, um, you know, they kind of um, they wrote an article the other day. Uh, her name's Melissa Shad. I'll give her a shout out. And um, she was talking to me, so she was a mother, uh, and she she would work with clients. And uh, I took her from a very, I mean, she got to the point where she basically was in disordered eating, didn't realize it, but she was Mm -hmm. and um, got her, you know, basically following flexible dieting, that sort of thing. And now she's like, now a year later, looking down the road, I see just how silly my mentality was. She's like, I was sitting there having dinner with my kids and they'd be, you know, try and feed me some food or something like that. You know how kids goof around. And I would be like, no, no, mommy can't eat that. You know? And she's like, how... How yeah. how terrible is that of a mother of to not be able to do that? Now, you know, I, I understand. Like if you're dieting for a show, you've got a very specific yep. thing coming up. You know, that, things can change, that sort of thing. But, you know, if you can't sit down and have a meal with your kids every once in a while, I mean, that, you know, wh- where is your real quality of life in that, you know? 
And uh, I always tell people, I'm like, I look at it from, again, from a sustainability standpoint. Uh, every, every time I read the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise always wins. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, I'd rather have somebody who's 95%, 100% of the time than somebody who's 100%, 70% of the time. And the other 30%, they're going off the deep end, you know? And uh, I think, again, uh, I know we're, we're, our listeners probably think, yeah, yeah, Lane, we, we know how you guys feel about this, but I, I really think it can't be overstated that, um, you know, sustainability has to be a huge part of things because like, like, so he had a great quote on Twitter one time. She said, if the diet you're on right now, if you can't see yourself doing it in six months or 12 months or 18 months, you've got to rethink what you're doing because it's set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, the other hard part I think is our, I'll, I'll say ours. I, you know, I don't, you know, we've only known each other for what, 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, our, our messages drown out. Yeah, because it's not—it's not—it's quote unquote not a sexy message. Exactly, oh. no one wants to hear it. No one wants to hear moderation. Yeah, and, say oh, it's not fast enough. Yeah, and so it's—it's it's one of those things where it's so. But in the other ones, you know, and I think we've all seen them on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever they get to social media, of you know, and, and not not to pick on. I guess I'll pitch, pick on Professor Noakes because he. Oh no! Pick, the, please do. He's, <laughs> he's the, the 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 person of the day now with the with the conference that happened in South Africa. Um, you know, it's, and so people buy into that because it's, it's new and, you know, and I was reading, uh, we mentioned Gary a little earlier, I was reading one of his books and the tone of his, and I hadn't, I hadn't spent much time reading his stuff. I know his, where he comes from, but I hadn't just kind of read, you know, full pages of his stuff before. And the, the, the tone of the messages are condescending. And yeah. I was just like, that's just, it's, but it's, but it wraps people up and it gets people interested. Sure. Uh, even yeah. though it's. You know, because the part I was reading about, he was, and I hadn't really had read this part before, but he was really uh, denigrating and and making Oprah Winfrey look terrible, and you know, without even giving her a chance to to give her side of the story. Yeah, and it's just uh, so anyway. So you know, messaging is a key thing, and and yep. it's it's just unfortunate that some people will, will buy into that. Well, I that think you type get, of messaging before looking at the science. Well, I think you get down to to good science and to good scientists versus uh, science businessmen who are dressed up as scientists, and um, I, there there definitely is a difference. Um, no, and I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head because I think, and this is from my perspective, and I see it I see it more and more. There are fewer and fewer scientists. Yeah, we have more health promoters <laughs> who do science. Yeah, and that creates bias, in my opinion. And, oh, and I don't mean it from a food company bias. I mean it from they're trying to show that what they believe is true to be true. Yeah. You know, and and I like Jeff Volek, but that's one of the examples. You know, it's I, I promote low carb or, or higher fat, higher protein. Therefore, I'm going to do research in that to show that this does work. Right. Well, and I, you know, I've always said that. Hey, look, you know, as a sign, I put videos out there where I said, look, I have my, I'm human, so I have bias. Okay. Yep. I absolutely have bias. Um, I studied leucine because I love leucine. Okay, however, uh, my moral integrity does not go behind that bias. My my in- integrity as a scientist is more important than that bias. Okay, so if I am now obviously I'm always coming at something. So if I see a study that conflicts with my bias, I'm obviously going to you know I'm going to look for things that <laughs> right. try to try to rectify that. However. Um, if I'm shown overwhelming data conflicting to my bias, I'm going to change. 
Um, and I have. I mean, I uh, I tell the story all the time, Mark. And after we do this, we're going to take a quick break so we can come back and give you some more time to talk about your next round of research. But um, I, I uh, when I got into graduate school, I wanted to look at the duration of muscle protein synthesis in response to a meal. And my hypothesis was that however long leucine stayed elevated would be how long muscle protein synthesis was elevated because that just made good sense because leucine stimulated muscle protein synthesis. And what I found was uh, I kept running the data and rerunning the data and rerunning <laughs> the data because uh, leucine was staying elevated and muscle protein synthesis was dropping off okay. back to baseline by three hours and leucine was still maxed out in the blood. And uh, uh, Dr. Lehman called me into his office and he said, you know, where, where are we on this duration thing? It's been a few months now, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm almost done with it. I've just got to run the data again because it, I don't think it's right. Oh. And he's like <laughs> – He's like, well, why why don't you think it's right? And we went through it. And he's like, well, do you have bad technique? And we talked about it. And he's like, well, no, it doesn't sound like your technique's bad. You know, do, do you have large standard error bars? And I didn't have that. And he said, well, it sounds like you're you're trying to make the data fit your hypothesis. Yep. And yep. you really need to make your hypothesis fit the data. Yep. And uh, that was kind of a mind-blowing moment for me as a young scientist. And right there, I said, well, my hypothesis is wrong, <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, but actually the coolest data I got came out of that hypothesis. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's important for people to, you know, we should care more about getting the right answer than we should about being right. Yep. You know, exactly. and, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a message or a, a, a quote or a concept. That's just not, it's not resonating anymore. No, no, you're right. <clears throat> Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk, we're talking with Dr. Mark Hobb, and we'll talk about more of his research. When we come back, you're listening to Physique Science Radio. Hey, guys. One of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohee Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohee's website at sohifit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future. Hey guys, we're wrapping up the Twinkie Diet talk here. Um, so we know that Dr. Mark Hobb lost 27 pounds on eating primarily junk food and, and a protein shake every day, which flew in the face of everything that we thought we knew at the time. Um, I'm curious, Dr. Hobb, as to what, what did you do in the weeks and the months following the conclusion of the diet, and what are you up to now health-wise? Sure. Uh, I, I basically went back to so uh, what I learned. I learned a lot of things on the diet, and one of the things, and it's I, I'm seeing it um, show up on. I, I'm Twitter's about all I do, so that's all I see really. But I'm showing it, seeing it more on Twitter. The you know the concept of orthorexia, 
Yes. And I, there were times in the diet that at about seven o'clock, I'd look at my calories and I'd say, well, you know, I'm at 1400. You know, if I don't eat, I'm going to lose more weight overnight before I get a, and, uh, and I would yeah. have these thoughts and it's like, wow, I was, I was blown by, and I didn't think to do that. It was, it was just one of those things where I saw the number and I did the math and it crept in. It was really, it was yep. kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but so what I, it helped me recalibrate my portion size. And so, you know, this gets back to the other notion that that's kind of current and common is mindful eating and yes. eating till you're hungry. And I'm like, what is that? You know, if I want, if my body wants to eat, do I just keep feeding it until it doesn't want to eat anymore and I'm stuffed uh, like Thanksgiving? Um, and so it, there's been you know, some things that have come out since then that I've, that I've found interesting and I, I, I just really have a hard time wrapping my head around some of those things, how they work as they apply to me. I mean, that's the only experience I really have is, is me and my family. So, uh, um, I did some tour, I, I did the, the whole TV tour stuff was on the doctors and some of these other shows. So, I mean, it was, it was nice as a faculty member. One of those things we, we don't do in higher education is we don't teach faculty how to engage with the community sure, from, yeah. from a media perspective, unless you're in uh, mass communications or something like that. And so I really learned, um, you know, there was, there were some interviews that I gave that I wish if I had, if I had, I would do it differently if I had it o- to do it over again, sure. because I let them drive the interview. Yep. And I didn't, you know, and I, I that's where I learned, you got to drive the, you got to drive the talk. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, so kind of po- political science. And so now that we have, you know, when we have elections and stuff, I really, I can understand what the, the person's doing and trying to drive the discussion. And so I would handle it differently because as a fact, member, oh, you ask a question, okay, I'll answer it, whatever you want. And it, and that, that's where one of the problems of the diet from the bigger picture became a problem because that's all people heard was, well, he just proved calories in, calories out. And I'm like, you just missed. Mm-hmm. The big picture here um, about uh, it's not just about calories. It's it's more than that. And so um, anyway, so that so that uh, carried on for about a, uh, a year or two. And then I get you know conversations like this. And so I think when things like this come up, I think it's it's a good opportunity to kind of uh, kind of re- see where things are now and see where where things are going. And um, you know, you know Doctor from Dr. a research Hop- perspective, we're we're yep. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, um, I was just going to say, um, I thought you were done talking, apologize. Um, one of my favorite quotes from you, I was reading up on you a little bit earlier, uh, was how, I mean, you were talking about how before you began the Twinkie diet, you were consuming what people would, many people would consider, you know, an average healthy diet, ah, but yet yeah, you were still yeah. overweight. And then, and then, you know, at the yeah. end of the diet, you were much lighter and you said, eating healthy is not the same thing as being healthy. And I, I mm. love that. Yeah. It was mind blowing. I'm like, how true, you know, if you're eating the right things, but you're eating too much of it, you're not going to be healthy. Right. And th- so that's, what, so now, so I guess to go back to the second part of your question, where am I now? I've gained, I haven't, stepped on a scale in a while but i think i've gained 15 to 20 pounds back i'm still not where i was um but i haven't really eaten a twinkie and so is that (laughs) is that healthy weight gain since it's not included twinkies correlations causation don't you know yeah exactly (laughs) and you know from my perspective you know the healthy at every size there's there's that kind of philosophy and you know my where i am now could i could i be healthier yes I, I definitely could. I could exercise a little bit more. I could eat probably a little bit, quote unquote, better, whatever that is. 
But, you know, I'm content with where I am. I'm happy with where I am. And I think doing some of those things that, that might make me physically healthier might not make me mentally healthier because the stress yep. of trying to, I got to sure. get up at 530 to get this workout in. And therefore yep. you, you put off something else, whether it's sleep, family time, whatever. And so I think people have to kind of figure out where that, where their comfort zone is. And you have to be honest with yourself, at least I do. And I say, you know what, I, I am being lazy or I'm, I, I need to do something. And so, you know, the recent thing is I've started lifting again and, um, and I think that's just to kind of keep a little bit on the, on the physical health edge of things where I need to be, whether it's to, to play with my boys or those types of things to, to engage with, uh, them and their friends and, and participate in life that way. That's right. But, but, um, anyway, so that's, th- those are kind of the, the key things and it, it, people really tend to, to get stuck on numbers and, uh, whether it's BMI or cholesterol, and you know, I, I think that the project did show that you know it, it may not be all about the numbers. It's 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 a bigger gestaltered, bigger picture than than that, than than just you know what's your cholesterol or how much fiber did you get today. Yeah, well, I think um, one of the major problems right now with nutrition is that um, it's like you said, you know, certain things are sexy, certain things people want a simple answer, and um, you know, it's like. Um, with anything in physiology, people want a simple answer and you know, that's not a reasonable expectation. It's never a simple answer. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody that I say was, well, well, don't you think within, you know, the next 20 years we'll cure cancer? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think you'll ever cure cancer because if you understand what it actually is, um, it is so multifaceted and there's so many causes sure. and so many ways it's promoted and that sort of thing that, I mean, maybe I'm being short sighted, but I just don't see you curing it. Right. And so, like the same thing with what causes obesity. And somebody said, well, Lane, don't you just think obesity is X? Or don't you think it's Y? I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I think it's, no, no. I think it can be that. I think it can be this other right. thing. I, and I think most likely it's a combination of everything. But it depends on the person. It depends on the context. And um, I think that's something we're really, really missing in this whole discussion um, that, that the government's having and, and, and that lawmakers are having and all these sorts of things is uh, we're really missing how complex this is and the sociological and yep. the physio- the psychological aspects of it as well. Yep. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not a huge, I think government tends to mess up more stuff than they get right. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, people, when they're trying to make guidelines for, I mean, they're basically in the position of, okay, do we give them all the information and confuse them or yeah, yeah. do we um, make it simple and probably give them bad information? Yep. For for a certain percentage of the population, and so you're you're kind of, and so you know, they decide that we're we're going to tell them at least something, you know. Right. Um, so it's difficult. Um, well, tell us. Um, uh, we get you out of here on this. Tell us about what you're doing now with your research and and, and what you like to do in the future and anything you wanna that you want to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, be I I got on the the, the food side and the, and the dietary fiber side. Uh, I'll say relatively recently and. So that's where our work is, and the, you know, the gut, gut health, gut microbiome, and you know, there are a lot of people that are saying that that's what's driving obesity or driving health and driving the immune system, and so that's that's kind of where we're going is to try to figure out you know what what is what role does the, the gut microbiota have to play, and how can diet and exercise affect that? And because my my issue where I am is is I think it's it's what we do, the diet and the physical activity that changes the microbiome, 
more than the microbiome itself. Um, granted, you can do a fecal transplant if people want to do that, you know, and go to your go to your lean neighbor or, or maybe Lane, you could provide some samples since you're lean and people could do their own uh, fecal transplants if they like. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we still need some more information in that area to kind of really figure out, you know, what's what's important from the gut, the gut health, what changes, you know, we still don't even know from a, a bacteria perspective, which of the bacteria are the key ones and how do we change that and how long can we keep the good ones and how long can we suppress the bad ones, whatever those are. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of where we're headed. And um, so I think it's, it's you know, plus it's, it's a dirty job, <laughs> but somebody's got to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the, the Yeah, that would, that would definitely qualify for the dirty jobs list. Um, <laughs> You know, I, put, I don't know if you so on Twitter. I think it was today or yesterday. Somebody was one of the food scientists was was doing a mouse study uh, with microbiota, and we had done we've done a few. And I'll, I'll tell you the grossest thing we had was I was uh, uh, processing a sample, and it was like a a three to four inch long hair in a sample. And I was like, and you know how it gets there? So somebody had. To- <laughs> to eat that and it was like that's just oh you know, how do you how do you not know that you're eating a three to four inch long hair oh. sorry 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 to end on that oh, note gosh. that's great that's great no i mean it's you know it's uh it, the gut microbiome stuff is very interesting and um you know so is fiber i mean one of the things we've we've tell people um uh, is that you know fiber is an important thing because uh, it's thermogenic. There is a thermogenic component to fiber as well, which is probably one due to the fact that it's you know not all assimilated into the gut uh, into uh, circulation, um, but also um, the short chain fatty acids are produced. There may be some some thermogenic stuff there. So I'll tell that's people, hey, that's where we're going. With yeah. So, so I'll say, you know, hey, look, you know, yeah, hit your protein, carbon, fat intake, but fiber is important too. So make sure you're getting enough fiber as well. But I've also seen people, you know, they, you tell somebody a little bit of something's good and they overdo it, you know, right. and oh. I've seen people say, oh, well, you know, you don't even have to worry about counting. You know, you can eat as much broccoli as you want. And I mean, this may be anecdotal, but there is some data showing that people who one are more prone to obesity or two, if you've been dieting for a long period of time, your body gets much better at getting calories out of fiber. Yep. Um, really? And, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so your, your gut uh, microbiota actually change if you, if you calorically <laughs> restrict for a long period yeah. of time. And that's one of the things I tell people about, you know, um, dieting when you look at like metabolic adaptation. I think the most impressive thing is that your gut microbiota actually changes, the breakdown changes. Wow. Um, and that's, that's a freaking symbiote. That's not even your body. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, and even it adapts to you trying to, to lose weight. And it's probably one of the, you know, again, um, that's what, I mean, I've had people tell me like, look, I like literally tell me I only eat vegetables and somehow I'm having trouble losing weight. And huh. it's like, well, yeah. you know, you may calculate that your net energy is only a certain amount, but it's probably wrong, you know? Sure. Yep. And um, I think, you know, uh, you made the point earlier, Dr. Hobb, that you know, is it calories in versus calories out? Is it not? And I always say, you know, it is calories in versus calories out because it, it is thermodynamics. However, what makes up both sides of that equation is extremely complex. We don't have all the answers and it's a moving target. You know, what your what your metabolic rate is now may not be what it is yes. in two years, exactly you know? Right. And, and so, 
I think we get in trouble because we we get people and say, well, here's this Harris Benedict equation, or here's this and this this is how many calories you should take in, and um, like like we've talked about our reverse dieting concept has has gotten criticized by by certain people who say, well, when you're done with a diet, you should just go back up to maintenance calories, and I, you should based on what information? Well, well, here's what I always say. Well, okay. If it was truly maintenance, then when you go up to those maintenance calories, you won't gain weight. Yeah. Right. Right? But yeah. intuitively, we know that what they're talking about is predictive maintenance calories, right? right? Yep. But that's not going to be predictive any longer after you've been on a long diet. And right. so, you know, I think that um, I think that people need to understand that. And uh, I, one of the things that I think is going to be important in the next few years is we, we know how to lose weight. I mean – that information's out there. Um, yep. We make it complicated, but it you know eat less calories than you burn. Um, but what we don't seem to do a very good job of is how do we keep it off? And right. uh, I yeah. think that's where the there's there is precious little research on that, and uh, that's where I'd kind of like to see the obesity research go in the in the future. Yeah, that's it's uh, yeah, and the, and the issue yeah, well, that brings up the issue you know who's going to fund that work, and that's where one of the problems yeah. is. Because uh, there's there's also that anti-food industry movement, you know, big food is bad, and they're and they're supplying a lot babe, of the money. For food, that did work. did you tweet an article about food, babe? Uh yes, I did. <laughs> about her getting paid like sixteen, some absurd amount. I, it, was of money. A re, it was a retweet. No I retweeted it. Uh, yeah, sixteen thousand dollars to go speak at the University of Florida, and then didn't stay to answer any questions, any questions. Wow. or be criticized. Well, yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I really wish that I could, I could live in a, in a in a world where um, anything that didn't agree with my bias yeah. uh, was some kind of conspiracy. Yep. You know, because wouldn't that be convenient? You know, oh, Doctor Hobb, your data didn't work out, but you know what? Those rats must have been biased. They must have had some kind of conspiracy against you. That's you know, right. um, it's it just it's mind blowing to me. But unfortunately. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is by Bertrand Russell, and it said, um, "The problem with this world is that fools and zealots are very sure of themselves, and wise yeah. people are filled with doubts." That's right. And I, I found that to be true. I mean, you listen to yourself talk, and all the people we have on this show, very, very few people speak in absolutes who are right. truly you, educated. You, you learn that you can't. Yes. And like you did, like you did with your data. Yeah. It's learn. Well, that's not true. And so you learn not you. You can't paint yourself in a corner, and right. so it's so easy to do. Right. Well, if you've had the proper graduate school experience, typically at some point you have been humbled very, very, very harshly. <laughs> uh, I got it the first presentation I ever made at a conference. I mean, I got smoked <laughs> by a guy. Um, and uh, But you know what? That was a good experience for me because, like you said, it taught me I can't speak in absolutes, you know? Um, because here I am, this young kid who's done some research, and I'm like, well, I, I know protein metabolism. What's <laughs> and uh, you know couldn't uh, couldn't answer some of this guy's questions. And you know what? It was good for me because it taught me that you know you can't speak in absolutes, and um, and we don't know everything. No, we don't. And uh, you know, again, if I if I can end on this and, and get your thoughts. Um, that this, so this when people ask me, well, Lane, who should I follow? Because obviously not everybody can have a PhD in nutrition, right? Um, and I said, well, what you want to look out for is honestly um, people to follow is somebody who one doesn't call themselves an expert. If somebody's truly an expert, they don't need to call themselves an expert. 
Okay. I've never run across somebody who was actually an expert who had expert in their Twitter tagline or something like that. Um, They just are, you know, and somebody who's not afraid to say, I don't know. You know, people ask me questions all the time. Like uh, somebody asked me like a question about their super spinatus and it's inflamed and all. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a physical therapist, you know? Um, But I think some people, because they're have DR in front of the name, feel like they always have to give an answer regardless of, of, of whatever they're talking about. Um, And and then also, um, you know, people who don't speak in absolutes. If somebody says, uses never, always, best, worst, they, I, I usually think they probably don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely. Yep. So, uh, is there yep. is there anything else you want to talk about, or something you want? No, to I, think, I think that you touched on that that point. Am I, to, to tag on to that, I encourage people to like whether it's however they get their information if, to listen to listen to, to different sides of the story. Sure. Don't don't block people you don't agree with. Yeah. Listen to them. Great. You don't. Have, I don't say you don't have to agree with them, but listen to them. Even if I don't throw any names, so even if they're wrong, ninety-nine percent of the time, that one time it may help you see things differently. And you know, and I and I think too. Uh, and you mentioned it earlier about changing your mind and being open to. You know what? That's a new way to look at it. And I, I I like that makes sense. And there's there's logic, there's science behind it. Because that's what with the Big Fat Lies book, I was sold on that. To, you know, yeah, that you know, it's not fat, but you know what? At some point, you get big enough. To where you're bedridden, and there think things become problematic. Even if physically it's not an issue, it's socially or psychologically an yep. issue. And yep. so, so that 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 holds true to a point, but um, not not always. So then, the, for me, the pendulum swung swung back a little bit, and and so I think it's an issue of the people who are mentally flexible and, and can 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 adjust to thoughts and and recognize their biases. I think are the people that that you need to follow and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, interact with versus you know, like you said it's this it's my everything's this way and because you paint yourself into a corner at some point you know it used to be low fat was great yep. now it's not and so yep. in tw- 10 years are gonna be saying that maybe about sugar well this is my point is like we haven't we tried every type of diet out there we've done high protein low protein high fat low fat high carb low carb and and we still have these problems you know so it must be everything you and know data to support all of them exactly and so um, yeah, it's just, um, you know, we need, we need a paradigm shift. Uh, I think there was a, a political survey that I saw, um, that was kind of telling and it showed people were, were given information and it was about their political party oh, sure. and, and, and then they were shown, um, that that information was wrong, uh, or it was right. Okay. They, they got both cases and in when it was right, you know, obviously it reinforced their bias, but when it was wrong, it still reinforced their bias. Yeah. They just dug their heels in even deeper. <laughs> and so that is, that is what we call cognitive dissonance. You know what I mean, and uh, that's what we, that's why I see it. It's very interesting in nutrition. I say we've almost got like churches of different things. I, no, I, yeah, it's like a religion. Zeal- Zealotry. I mean, yes. the guy who, pro- so he, we know this, the guy who promotes intermittent fasting, who made it real popular. Oh, remember that, that, that one, that one article we wrote, we got creamed. Yeah, we got creamed <laughs> for it. And we didn't even, we didn't even say it was bad. No, we, we didn't. just said, hey, you know, in this situation, maybe not optimal or, you know, this and that, maybe not for you, but you know, overall it's fine. And, um, but the guy, the guy, and the guy came after both of us. And, uh, but on his Twitter tagline, it says, High priest of intermittent oh, fasting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
you know? Yeah. So it's like, you are actually promoting that zealotry. Like that's wow. what you want, you know? So I, I think, again, you know, I tell people, I'm like, look, don't take my word for it. I, I had somebody say the other day, they're like, man, your word is gold to me. And I said, no, 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 it's not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be wrong about some of this stuff. I promise you, I'm going to be wrong. Okay. But I'm always going to try and get it as right as I possibly can, but I'm going to be wrong invariably. So don't just look at me as the mouth of the hand, the hand of God, you know? Right. So yeah, that's so I, I I try to I I ask questions. That's how I that's how I interact with people. You know, I'll say, well, show me you know show me data on that, or help me understand this, or what do you think about that? To throw to, so I don't make a statement. I let them figure. You know, what do you think about this study that showed that? To let them see the data and sift through it on their own versus me saying something about it and then this. Oh, he's no, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, Dr. Hobb, we've really enjoyed having you on here, and I, I think I, I could definitely talk to you for another hour. So hopefully, we could, you'd be willing no, to be on stuff. in the future uh, because we really enjoyed it. No, good stuff. Oh yeah, it's uh, been great. Okay, well, thank, thank you so much for your time. And uh, so for our for our, now, are you are you taking graduate students or anything like that? Because I yeah, know. Yeah, no, yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it depends on it depends on the student. Depends well, on the yeah, time. sure. It's one of those things where, yeah, we're always uh, in, in this area of, you know, we call it, I guess, applied nutrition. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, um, so we do randomized clinical trials, and we, we, I try to do off-the-shelf stuff um, to where we're, we're testing products that are foods that people would, would purchase versus these <laughs> prototypes that people would never eat, uh, although we do we have done some of that work. But uh, that's the kind of work we do, so if there are people interested in that kind of research, I uh, would love to talk with them about uh, furthering their education, exposing them to, to the type of research that, that leads to the, the papers that we end up talking about on Twitter. Fantastic, mm -hmm. fantastic. Well, um, if you if you want to get in touch with Dr. Hobb, his, uh, his, his contact information is on uh, KSU's website, so visit there. And uh, we'll put a link in for his uh, faculty bio mm -hmm. uh, in the tagline for this show so you guys can check it out if we got some potential graduate students out there because I know we do have a lot of uh, – of uh, students who are interested in getting into that kind of research. So thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Hobb. We really appreciate it. I, I thought it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you both. Yeah, likewise.